Kevin Markwick. Fruit ice. Cherry ice cream. Covered with chocolate hazelnuts. What a feast on a stick. Mmm, mmm. chocolate sundae with nuts. Never get too big. Never get too heavy. Never get too cool till you stop paying your tears. Oh, yeah. What can a papa do? Better go back to your mama. I'll take care of you Lost your wife Lost your son Stay out drink until morning comes Oh yeah Oh kid, I hope I do Better go back to your mama Cause she'll take care of you
that doesn't get old. Primal Scream, uh, Country Girl from 2006. Okay, here goes nothing. Hello, Kevin Markwick here again for another two hours of uh, whatever, the curate's egg of Uckfield FM. Uh, the parts you find good, uh, it's entirely up to you, really. Thank you, Adrian, for another two hours of soul grooviness. We will get that show together. I've been out for a curry, so anything could happen in the next two hours. Happy birthday to offspring number four, 17 years old. (laughs) So, tonight, music from Veronica Falls, uh, Midlake, Matthew E. White, and I Am Arrows. Amongst others, Owen Velvet Underground. Film-wise, Cheney Kent is here to talk about Carter Burwell. And the time Lederhosen creeped back to 1986. Only one year this week. It's probably better that way, isn't it? And you, please, get in touch. At Kevin Markwick on Twitter. The Kevin Markwick Show on Facebook. Mail, uh, no, studio at upfieldfm.co.uk. Rocket Pigeon, I really I really don't care. Here's Veronica Falls.
Veronica Falls and uh, Teenage from the back end of uh, last year, 2012, I believe. The other thing you can do is uh, go to the website, uckfieldfm.co.uk, and you can look at the back of my head, which is an extraordinarily exciting thing to be able to do. And you can post comments to the back of my head and the front of my head will answer, hopefully. Um, and uh, like I said, Twitter, at Kevin Markwick, Facebook, the Kevin Markwick Show. I, how many ways can I give you to get in touch? Um, we're going to do Hot Chip now.
over and over and over and over and over from uh, the warning in 2006 i believe yes um so film stuff is coming and music stuff is coming uh like i said cheney kent is going to do uh carter burwell that's uh, quite an interesting one this week uh before we get there after that oh we got some midlake after this uh, after i sell you some stuff here comes the great new climber from lion's maze orbit super size super ice cream orbit it's got orange ice cream and raspberry ice cream dipped in chalk. Yes, Orbit breaks the flavor barrier. Orbit with astounding free space picture cards. Orbit, the greatest. Orbit, the big ice cream on a stick from Lion's Maid. On sale now. Kevin Markwick. A warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program.
Cheney's been in touch to say he taught singing at the school where Hot Chip studied music. How very nice. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to make of that. Um, that was Midlake and Axe of Man from, uh, they're from Texas. Uh, that was from 2009. Now, here's something I discovered at the weekend that I hadn't heard before. Um, Devendra Banhart is rather good. He's a Venezuelan-American singer, songwriter. Uh, and this is from the album Cripple Crow in 2005. And it's called Feel Just Like a Child. <laughs> the 
It's good. I should explore further. Devendra Banhart, feel just like a child. Now, uh, here's the last track in the musicy, musicy section, or the first musicy section of the show, in this uh, crazy show we call show. Um, and then we're going to move into the film hour, uh, and then back into music again. You know how it goes if you listen regularly. So, uh, taking us out of this section, here's a short skirt, long jacket, my favourite, uh, Cake.
paper slips to the wall. Like the sea, stick to the sea. Like a lever, and we're shallow. You look at me, That doesn't cheer you up, nothing will. I found it, I was going through some files. Uh, that's the uh, uh, Time Bandits, actually, singing Me and My Shadow from uh, Terry Gilliam's absolute classic. Um, the Time Bandits. So here we are in the film part, the film hour of the show. And the first thing we're going to do, uh, Cheney's going to come up after this, is what we've been doing is going through the uh, Oscar noms. So we've got to do two this week to catch up so that we uh, actually, uh, when we get to February, the... <laughs> Look it up, Kev. If you're going to say it on the air, look it up. Uh, February the Sunday the February the uh, So anyway, to get there on time, I need to do two this week and then one a week. So was that one last week, two this week, three more. So it must be two weeks away. It's the Baftas, isn't it? The Sunday, yes. Um, I voted, and it won't mean anything. Um, because they never do. The ones that I vote for never win. Uh, so one of the uh, nominees for the Academy Award for Best uh, Score is the theme or the music from Pi, uh, Life of Pi by Michael Danner. Uh, we played this a couple of weeks ago, but let's play it again because it is rather nice. Film's mostly good. Um, like a lot of films, it's great, 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 oh, when it gets to the end. But you tell me what you thought at the end. I thought it was... <sighs> A load of tosh, actually. But uh, the film itself, the actual story of the film, wonderful. The message at the end, not so wonderful. But this is um, Pie's Lullaby.
Pi's Lullaby from The Life of Pi by Michael Danner, one of the Oscar-nominated film scores that we're going to go through. Uh, a film that puts forward the theory it's better to believe in uh, the nice story rather than the true story. Really? OK, here's... Um, I was going to say his castle, but well, he wouldn't thank me for that, would he? Here's Cheney Kent. Hello. This week, I'm taking a look at Carter Burwell, a composer who has taken an alternative route to the top of his profession. Whilst working with computers in the 1980s, Carter Burwell soon became interested in sound design and also played in a number of post-punk bands. His first film score was Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers' debut feature in 1984. Since then, Burwell has written the music for the majority of the Cohen's films, right up to the recent award-winning True Grit. Many of these scores are characterised by a sense of something personal or intimate, the score growing from a song-like beginning. For example, the Cohen's The Hudsucker Proxy, a fable about a simpleton promoted way above his station by a conniving company boardroom, starts with that fanfare of Americana, the open horn fifth, adds a grain of fairy dust with a single glockenspiel note, and then jumps into a simple skipping melody characterised with the woodblock. Hick percussion, if you like. The suite from Burwell's score quickly moves on into the orchestral vistas, which match the grand view from the boardroom. But the music never loses its charming, feel-good DNA.
Walter Burwell's association with the Cohen brothers has by no means prevented his working with other collaborators. However, it is true to say that the films on which he has worked are by no means mainstream. This is not a composer writing for genre. Even the most commercial of his projects to date, the music for the Twilight franchise, is not a standard series of coming-of-age pictures or supernatural thrillers. Burwell's key theme, Bella's Lullaby, gravitates to the personal with the melody and the piano, stressing the story of the individual at the heart of a developing internecine screen opera. Despite this involvement in a sequence of mainstream pictures, the directors for whom Cotter Burwell has contributed are mostly independent. Principal among them is Spike Jones, the director known for his work in music video. Burwell has written the music to all Jones's feature films, being nominated for a Golden Globe in 2009 for the score to Where the Wild Things Are. A characteristic of Burwell's usefulness to auteur directors is that he is prepared to write his music in conjunction with a dedicated songwriter. The Golden Globe nomination was shared with Karen O of the Yeah Yeah Years. Eight years earlier, Burwell was handed his only BAFTA nomination for a Coen Brothers film, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which once again he shared, this time with the songwriter T. Byrne Burnett. 
Clearly, Burwell is a composer more at home collaborating on contemporary song composition and arrangement than on creating a large-scale orchestral wash. To close, here's a classic example. The traditional bluegrass song, Way Out There, used as the basis of his soundtrack for Raising Arizona, in Burwell's own arrangement, with a synthesised introduction. Goodbye. favorites raising arizona carter burwell's music thank you cheney that was uh illuminating and entertaining and all of those things at the same time that's great thank you very much now uh i um what did i do this week in film oh i saw a couple of new films coming out uh, over the next few months i could tell you about those but then i'd have to come around your house and slap you a bit uh so i can't talk about those but um what do we see on uh, on the big screen at home? Uh, God Bless America, Bobcat Goldthwaite's film, which is violent and interesting. I don't think it's as sharp as his previous picture, uh, World's Greatest Dad, which I can highly recommend with uh, Robin Williams. But it was entertaining enough. I can't imagine anyone would be allowed to watch it in the United States anymore because there's lots of shooting people in it. Um, and we find the best, the, the highlight of the week really was we unwrapped the Blu-ray f- uh, Singing in the Rain Blu-ray, which looks absolutely gorgeous. I love Blu-ray. I love it. I'm rediscovering all these films in high definition. And it just doesn't get old. It just doesn't get old, that film. Um, here's the Good Morning sequence, uh, which uh, is just, just as fresh as the day it was put on film. Hey. Hey, I think it'll work. It's a cinch. You know, it may be crazy, but we're going to do it. The Dooming Cavalier is now a musical. Hot dog! Hallelujah! Fellas, I feel this is my lucky day. March 23rd. Oh, no, your lucky day is the 24th. I mean the 24th. It's 1.30 already. It's morning. Yes. And what a lovely morning. 
Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. When the band began to play, the stars were shining bright. Now the milkman's on his way. It's too late to say good night. So good morning. Good morning. Sunbeams will soon smile through. Good morning. Good morning to you and you and you and you. Good morning. Good morning. We've gabbed the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Nothing could be grander than to be in Louisiana in, in the, the morning. morning. In the morning, it's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning. enough tap dancing in films is there anymore i don't care what it is if it's a thriller they should put more tap dancing in it because that's just brilliant and they will you i guarantee it will still be watching that film in well not you personally people will be still watching that film in 250 years time it's new Tingalingaling ice pole. Lions may ice pole. Tops up ice pole. Squeeze up ice pole. Tingalingaling ice pole. Taste it. Tingalingaling ice pole. Fresh, cool ice pole. Orange flavor, strawberry flavor. Tingalingaling ice pole. My ice pole. Happens. Get an ice pole now. Tingalingaling ice pole. 
Kevin Markwick. Now it's time for ice cream. Or maybe some nuts. A cool glass of orange. Why not try a hot dog? Or the real thing, a cool, refreshing Coca-Cola. From the sales staff and in the foyer, now. I've even got my penny on, you know, waiting for you in my train. You just don't turn up. Um, now, looking at the... Uh, oh, is that a bit loud? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> looking at the uh, one of the other Oscar-nominated scores now, because uh, I've got to get two in this week to make sure that I get finished in time. It's slick, isn't it? It's like so slick, this show. Uh, so I'm going to play you uh, the theme from Argo by uh, Alexander Desplat, which is uh, actually rather good. Um, the film seems to be becoming a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy as it's sweeping all before it at the awards and looks like it may well do uh, the big one uh, at the Oscars, although controversially uh, Affleck hasn't been nominated for, for Best Director. Shame on everybody. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's good. It's not that good, but it's good. But these things, you know, they kind of get a momentum and off they go. Anyway, this is uh, taking us up to the news, actually, because I'm running a wee bit late uh alexandra de Platt's score from argo
fourth dimension. You see, we can move in the other three. As the doctor said, up, down, forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. You maniac! You blow it up! Damn you! God damn you all to hell! Must be some kind of hot tub time machine. Yes, here we are in our time lederhosen this week. I don't know why lederhosen, I just alighted on that word earlier and it made me smile as you can tell. Now, I'm going to just do one lot this week because I just wonder whether I'm gabbing on too much in this uh, third quarter of the show. So, stop gabbing on and get on with it. Here we go. Uh, 1986. Mm, Nice-ish. Thatch was Prime Minister. The Sun uh, alleged that Freddie Starr ate a live hamster. Uh, The GLC was abolished. Liverpool did the double, which apparently was unusual back then. Everybody does it. It's like ordinary. And uh, Gary Lineker became the most expensive footballer ever when he signed with Barcelona from Everton for a whomping £2.75 million. Mm. And the number one record this week was West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys. So there. Uh, in an upfield, we finally, ironically, got round to uh, Back to the Future because uh, we're doing a Back to the Future thing here, see? Uh, in one screen and witness on the other um back to the future had come out before christmas but because once again if you've been listening uh, over the weeks uh, you'll you'll remember we were prey to the stupidity of the film distributors at the time and they gave us one print to share between uckfield and our other cinema at the time in ashford now i'm pretty sure we had one print of that and one print of the goonies which had played at uckfield over christmas and then we switched them over in our drafty hawkehurst pub car park um literally manhandling the uh, they were actually big spools we had towers then uh, 15,000 feet of film on each spool and uh, out of my car and into uh, my brother's car (laughs) and vice versa entirely legal didn't look legal but it was entirely legal anyway both these films uh, this week Witness and Back to the Future were textbook examples of uh, perfect Hollywood script writing Um, do you need me to tell you about Back to the Future? don't know robert zemeckis's uh, best film by some margin i would say uh having been flung back to the 1950s in a time machine young marty mcfly has to ensure his parents meet as they're supposed to or risk never having existed i came up with that pitch it's good isn't it i should go around the studios with that uh well when done well there are a few things that satisfy more than a time travel story and this one is perfect uh it hits all the right beats perfect pacing and an internal logic that feels entirely convincing um of course it's also about nostalgia and it occurred to me um maybe the idea of changing your parents from hopeless losers to cool success stories is if you think about it a little bit creepy you know your parents are your parents and to change them like that and I, well i don't know it's i'd not thought of it before it is a bit odd isn't it no or is that just me 
Well, okay. But it all hangs together, not least because of the performances, uh, particularly Michael J. Fox as Marty and Christopher Lloyd as the uh, doc, the mad professor character. Some of you probably know that Fox was not Zemeckis' first choice, and they got as far as, I think it was two weeks into the shooting, with Eric Stoltz. Um, trying to think where you'd know him from. Mask. Well, you wouldn't know him from that, would you? Because <laughs> he was under a mask. What else was he in? Was he in um, uh, Memphis Bell? I think he was. Uh, and Fly 2, which wasn't his greatest moment. Oh, and uh, the Tarantino thing, where he um, punches, you know, that puts the needle into uh, uh, John Travolta's chest. Uh, yeah, I've lost my place now. <sighs> some of you, uh, yes, some of you do, definitely. <laughs> anyway, they, they'd got, they're shooting for two weeks, and um, they realised, that, or Zemeckis realised that he needed to make a change, and they went out and cast uh, Michael J. Fox. I think you can see the footage on, on YouTube, with, uh, you know, he's got the body warmer on and all the same stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of freaky seeing someone else in the park because Michael J. Fox so made it his own. Anyway, uh, looking at it again, you certainly get a feeling also that it might not pass through the system today, as odd as that sounds, it, despite its success, because uh, it kind of assumes the audience isn't a total idiot. And I'm not sure that would be allowed anymore. Or is that just the cynic in me? Anyway, uh, and of course, there's always time for our, our Alan Silvestri's cracking music. I'm going to go a bit hardcore for this because you've heard the main theme a million times. I'm going to play some of the underscore. Uh, and this is a cue called uh, Clock Tower, which you can probably guess which bit that is um, from the classic score for Back to the Future. <laughs> Thank you. 
classic underscore kind of rising and rising and never quite getting to the resolution until of course when the uh, car finally hits 88 miles an hour <laughs> oh uh i was reading a, uh something about it the other day and and uh somebody said that if you don't like if you don't like this film then you truly probably don't like movies so uh well it's not it's kind of beyond criticism now isn't it so uh despite being late it was doing brisk business in Uckfield, particularly at the weekend which i suppose was to be expected 868 admissions 1268 pence and 70 p no 1268 pounds and 70 p uh top price at the time was two pounds uh the previous week was slightly better with 975 admissions so did you see it in upfield i bet somebody out there listening did see it in upfield um get in touch let me know whether you did and what your memories of it are uh and actually we played it again recently on digital uh the digital restoration and it looked absolutely fantastic and nobody came to see it people often say to me why don't you show some old films would be great if we show some old films no it wouldn't not really it would be great if we showed old films but nobody trust me nobody comes to see them okay let's move over to screen two now hey man they didn't know there was a witness carter didn't tell me about the eyewitness yeah amish kid eight years old a man of force. I'm a police officer, ma'am. I have to talk to the boy. A woman of faith. You don't understand. We have nothing to do with your laws. Yes, I do. Your son's a material witness to a homicide. Worlds apart. Now you have a witness. Yeah, now I got a witness. John, what's going on, man? What is happening? You said we would be safe in Philadelphia. Well, I was wrong. You left with the Amish woman, right? If they find me, they find the boy. You bring this man to our house? With his gun of the hand? You bring fear to this house? Everyone has an idea about you and the Englishman. They're looking for you. I have done nothing against the rule of the Ordner. Nothing? Maybe not yet. We know where you are. Harrison Ford and Kelly McGillis. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were playing on screen two. 27 years ago this week, uh, Witness uh, was no less an adept piece of mainstream filmmaking. Uh, sad it's, uh, it seems being off the date a bit did it harm, and we really didn't do very well with it. Only played a week in the end. Um, a young Amish boy is witness to a murder, but when the investigating cop, played by Harrison Ford, realises that the murder is part of a conspiracy in his own department, he takes the boy home and hides amongst the Amish. Be careful among the English. Uh, it's a very skilful fish-out-of-water story, really, and Harrison Ford gives probably his best screen performance, I think. Yeah? Indie, this one? Yeah, I don't know. As John Book, uh, the cop. In fact, it's in, in many ways, it's also a time travel movie, um, taking us into the strange, timeless world of the Amish. Something a lot of a lot of the world knew nothing about until this film. Actually, I bet they, <laughs> I bet they thanked uh, Paramount Pictures for that. The central romance is between Book and the boy's mother, played with skill by Kelly McGillis, who would go on to play foil to Tom Cruise in the absurd Top Gun two years later. Um, it's a film that's often used as a teaching tool, actually, for aspiring screenwriters. So perfectly do all the elements fit together. Uh, I think by the time 
by the time this film was around, the 80s were actually becoming the 80s. And this is one of the last mainstream films from a major studio that wasn't aimed at 12-year-olds. Um, it's difficult to see it getting made today. Almost, I mean, you know, like Back to the Future. Unless John Book had a sidekick played by uh, personality vacuum Shia LaBeouf. Anyway, Witness was directed by one of my favourite directors, Peter Weir, an Australian who had made some great films at home, not least Picnic at Hanging Rock in 1975 and Gallipoli in 1981. Uh, this was his first Hollywood film and he would go on to make uh, The Mosquito Coast, which I always think was a bit underrated, with Ford and uh, the Lord Helen of Mirren, as well as The Truman Show and Master and Commander. One of his I like the most, which no one went to see, was Fearless with Jeff Bridges. Uh, you should uh, have a look at that one. It's wonderful. Uh, Dead Poets I Can Live Without, but I know it's a popular one. Witness tanked rather in Upfield. 226 admissions all week. Mm, £393. Disappointing. Again, go away, Upfield, and think about what you've done. Apart from uh, all that juicy loveliness, Witness also had an interesting score by the great Maury Shah, a million miles from Lawrence Arabia. This is the building the barn sequence. Um, it's a scene I'm sure you remember. It's like uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers without the dancing.
Uh, part of Maurice Shaw's score for uh, Peter Weir's picture, um, Witness, which is good. And if you haven't seen it, you should. Uh, I, c- I can pretty much remember where I saw most films I've ever seen, oddly. It's a kind of odd thing. And the first time I saw that wasn't in Upfield, actually. It was at the old plaza in Regent Street on a late night show. My, uh, was she my wife then? Uh, no, she wasn't. <laughs> You should know the answer to that. We were we were dating, and we went to a late night show at the Plaza in Regent Street and saw that, and uh, utterly absorbed, utterly, utterly absorbed, and exhausted. I guess it's age. You don't get as exhausted by films as you do when you're younger, because you kind of. Uh, anyway, uh, what have I got to do now? Oh, I've got to do sell you stuff, and then we'll do some other bits and pieces not time related when we come back. Kevin Markwick. So, one of the things I thought I'd do, uh, try, let's try and add some more bits and pieces to the show, is to come up with the coolest tracks you ever heard in a film ever. Uh, I don't mean music that was composed for the film, but when a director has used another piece of music in a film. So, what I want you to do is tell me what you think are the, those coolest moments in movies. Um, at Kevin Markwick on Twitter would be a good place to go, as would the Facebook page, The Kevin Markwick Show. Get onto Facebook, you can look it up, tell me what you think. It can be anything, and uh, we'll try and play as many of those as we can over the coming weeks. Uh, you can email studio at arcfieldfm.co.uk. So whenever uh, a director's used a piece of music and you just think, oh, that is cool, the way it works. Oh, sounded like an idiot then tonight, but you know what I mean. Um, so I'm going to suggest... Uh, a couple tonight and see what you can come up with this is of course the great moment ever since i was a kid i wanted to be a gangster i know i'd go from rags to riches if you would only say you care Though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire My clothes may still be torn and tattered But in my heart I'd be a king Your love is all that ever matters It's everything So open your arms And you'll open the door To every treasure that I'm hoping for Hold me and kiss me and tell me you're mine evermore Must I forever be a beggar Whose golden dreams will not come true Or will I go from rags to riches My fate is up to you
Tony Bennett, uh, Rags to Riches, which Martin Scorsese used at the opening of Goodfellas in 1990 and probably has got to be in the top five coolest openings in a film ever, however violent it is. An extraordinary moment with the dead body or the body in the boot. <laughs> and then that, that music kicks in. Amazing stuff. OK, here's another one that I propose and uh, a young, fresh-faced Dustin Hoffman is uh, coming home from the airport. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Now the streets are cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed By the flash of a neon light Split the night the sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing songs That voices no one did Disturb the sound of silence Who said I, you do not know Silence like a cancer grows Hear my words that I might teach you Take my arms that I might reach you But my words Silence. 
The Sound of Silence, as used in Mike Nichols' film The Graduate in 1967... I'll find out. I think it was around then, wasn't it? And a classic moment which uses uh, music already recorded, and that's what I want to hear from you. I want to hear what are your favourite bits? What do you think are the coolest bits of uh, a film with music that's already recorded? Uh drop me a line on the Kevin Markwick show page uh, on Facebook or on Twitter at Kevin Markwick Uh, it'd be great to hear from you Uh, so what now oh we'll do a jingly thing which is this one late evenings on Oakfield FM with the Makindo Surgical Centre your local private hospital in East Grinstead for the life you want to live visit makindosurgical.co.uk And that's enough of my old waffle. Good music now till the uh, 11 o'clock news. But there may still be some waffling. This is Matthew E. White. Gorgeous stuff. Big love.
Kevin Markwick. 105 Uckfield FM. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. When you give your heart from Laura Veer's album July Flame in uh, 2010. And before that, we heard uh, Big Love, uh, Matthew E. White, which is equally as wonderful. And uh, I think uh, he's, yeah, it's going to be big, I think, that one. Now, uh, what's up next? Oh, this is one of my favourites at the moment, for what that's worth. Uh, Nightbeds, Ramona.
Beds and Ramona, which is just lovely, isn't it? Now, I Am Arrows uh, is an indie rock band formed by former Razorlight drummer, actually, Andy Burrows, in 2009. And the album that he produced, apparently, well, they signed, apparently he was signed 11 days after leaving um, Razorlight to the same label, ironically. And uh, he came up with an album called Sun Comes Up Again, which is rather wonderful. I'm not sure how, how, how it sold, actually. Uh, but you, if you've not heard it, you should go and have a listen. This is, uh, I think it was a single, and it's called Green Grass.
Grass from the I Am Arrows album Sun Comes Up Again. It's one of those instantly accessible albums and uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Now, uh, another album that uh, I'm playing a lot at the moment is Sugaring Season because it's Beth Orton and it's her first album for six years and I think I, you know, I think this is my favourite track on it. It's called Mystery. Soft upon the thought 
I don't know about you, but I'm about ready for bed after that. <laughs> I was always my, as a chat-up line, that never worked. I don't know about you, I'm ready for bed. Uh, mystery from the Sugaring Season, Beth Orton's uh, album. And that's it. It's over. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening. And please tune in again next week. It does mean an awful lot to me. Hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Markwick. Go to the Facebook page. Find somewhere getting in touch. Tell me what you think about the show. I really do like to hear from you. Um, it's wonderful, actually. And I really enjoy doing it. So, uh, as I said, on the other thing I want you to do is, is send me in those um, ideas for tracks that are used in films because I want to hear and I want to use that as a feature to play so I'll see you next week I love you all goodbye I'm going to finish with uh, 1969 The Velvet Underground from the album The Velvet Underground Uh, this is The Sublime Pale Blue Eyes bye love you bye sometimes I feel so happy Sometimes I feel so sad Sometimes I feel so happy But mostly you just make me mad 
just make me mad Linger on Oh, oh, oh. 
was good what we did yesterday And I'd do it once again The fact that you are married Only proves you're my best friend 